0: The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's Mightiest Heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt them back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode three of Some Assembly Required, your weekly dive into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. Today we are going to be talking about Avengers number three, The Avengers Meet the Submariner. This issue was originally released in January of 1964. It was written by Stan Lee, with pencils by Jack Kirby, ink by Paul Reinman, and letters by Sam Rosen. So we start off this issue... What appears to be fairly close to where we left off on the last issue, uh, some some things have obviously happened, most notably in the fact that Iron Man has a new costume. This costume is much closer to the the standard uh, Iron Man suit that we would think of today. It first appeared in Tales of Suspense number 48, in which Iron Man fought Mr. Doll, which is one of the most idiotic sounding villains ever, and the the villain is about as stupid as you might expect. He basically has a little doll of, of a person and he can control them much as a, a voodoo doll. Well, not really control but cause them pain and drive people to do whatever Mr. Doll tells them to do. So Iron Man ends up creating himself a new suit because his old suit was so heavy and bulky that he couldn't fight back even despite the pain. So the new suit he could defeated Mr. Doll. So the Avengers are sitting around at Avengers Mansion and they are arguing over what to do about the fact that Hulk has left the team and they don't know where he is. So Iron Man decides that he will use a Tony Stark invention to transport his image and, and sound to various other teams or various other superheroes and try and enlist their help. Now, I've let this slide for the last couple of issues, but I think it's time we had a quick talk about transistors because at this point, Iron Man is basically claiming everything is transistor-powered. So transistors are actually a really important modern technological advance. Effectively, they they have allowed us to, to have our modern electronics-driven society. Smartphones, computers, none of that would exist without the transistor. So while I do have a degree in engineering, I am not the most electrically savvy individual, so this is going to be kind of a basic explanation. But effectively, a transistor is an electrical switch that has no moving parts. And basically you use an applied voltage to allow current to pass from one pole to another. So it's actually got like three poles on it one that applies a positive or negative voltage that allows the flow of electrons from one pole to the other. Now, they also have a secondary application, which is transistors can be used in amplifiers. Our modern guitar amps use transistors with what are called solid-state amplifiers as opposed to a tube amplifier like you would see back in the 1970s. So I understand why why Stan and and Jack got real into transistors, because in the 1960s, transistors were miniaturizing everything, Uh, transistor radios and things like that, and making a whole new portable form of electronics, which was, you know, pretty groundbreaking at the time. But to say that things are transistor-powered is really a misnomer. They're, they can be transistor-controlled or can transistor-amplified, but not really powered. Transistors don't actually store charge. They don't store power. At one point, I actually thought about trying to make this into a drinking game for, for you folks at home, but I realized if you decided to listen to, like, two or three episodes in a row, you'd probably need to go to the hospital. So, really, for your sake and my my legal fees, I decided against that. But if you feel like it while you're reading the books at home, anytime there's stupid science, take a drink. Anyway, getting back to the issue here, Iron Man projects himself to various teams around New York, starting with the Fantastic Four, and then to Spider-Man and eventually the X-Men, and... All the all the teams are too busy to help the avengers although we do get to see a very dapper looking thing getting ready for a date reed richard's wearing a really stupid helmet and professor x is a dick even in a different book so eventually iron man returns his image back to avengers mansion and the avengers decide that since we can't find hulk we'll go ahead and and break up our meeting for the time being and we'll keep an eye out and see what we can figure out however before breaking up the meeting thor recommends that the avengers contact rick jones who is living out in new mexico one of hulk's old haunts and rick says he'll keep an eye out for the hulk which of course shortly thereafter rick does indeed find hulk this is one of the times that hulk is much more of the frankenstein kind of character we see a lot more of that coming out where he's just he's trying to do the right thing but really he, he's persecuted because of people fearing him and this is kind of an idea that we see throughout Marvel Comics. X-Men is, is very well known for the idea of, of the X-Men fighting to protect a world that hates and fears them. In this case, Hulk is just trying to be left alone. But Hulk is definitely persecuted heavily based on the fact that people fear him based on his appearance. Not because of who he is. Really, in large part, what he has done. This is also one of those times... I feel like Hulk needs a Snickers. Like Hulk is just really kind of bitchy and grouchy and you know those com- Snickers commercials you like, you know, you, you know how you get when you're hungry. Like I want to give Hulk a Snickers bar and just turn him back into Banner. Which actually is not that far off of what happens, except that Rick convinces Hulk to go back to their secret cave laboratory. Yeah, cave lab. And they use gamma rays to turn Hulk back into Banner. And this is actually something that appeared originally in Incredible Hulk number 4, where Banner develops this machine to bombard him with gamma rays once again. And it'll actually turn him back from Hulk to Banner. Uh, Eventually this will, Hulk will kind of move beyond this ability. But for now, Hulk is somewhat controllable by further gamma rays. So Rick escorts Hulk to bed. And we actually get a really good moment. Rick is really kind of racked with guilt over what's happened to Hulk. I mean, he feels really terribly about that Banner is now Hulk because of saving Rick's life. So that's kind of a, a touching moment of Rick just Rick's kind of uh, contemplative state while while Banner is in bed. Of course, Banner turns back into the Hulk and escapes. At which point Rick immediately goes and contacts the Avengers. Who quickly make their way to New Mexico to do battle with the Hulk once again. It's a fairly standard uh, transformation sequence. Although this is the first time in Avengers we get to see Jane Foster. Who originally appeared in Journey into Mystery 84. Uh, and is Donald Blake's nurse at this point. B- prior to her becoming a doctor in her own Right. And this is, a, this is a this is a fun, a fun action sequence. Once the, once the Avengers start showing up in New Mexico, at one point Hulk picks up a cactus and squeezes all the needles off of it, and to try and shoot them at Iron Man. That's just really kind of it's kind of a cool looking visual. This whole sequence is very kind of a Looney tunes style event av- ad- adventure. Uh, eventually, Iron Man is able to catch Hulk off balance and, and spin him around using his magnetic repulsors and the iron content in Hulk's blood. So just looking into this a little bit, there's about three to six grams of iron in a human human body. Not all of that's in the blood. Some of it's in, in muscle and fat and whatnot, but three to six grams of iron. So for comparison, a gram is approximately equal to a normal-sized paperclip. I don't think Iron Man's going to be spinning any run anyone around just based on six grams of iron in their body but you know it's comic books and again bad science feel free to take a drink now the Avengers have forgotten that they are fighting in fact in the New Mexico desert which is Hulk's stomping grounds he knows this place better than any of them do so Hulk manages to escape by jumping into a mine shaft and eventually hitching a ride on a train and again, this is this is still straight up Looney Tune style, very classic chase on a train. You know, they're fighting on top of the train. There's a, like a crane on the train, and it's not like one of the old mailbag things, but it certainly has the same effect as, as one of the old mailbag, uh, I guess, posts full of tropes. Hulk does a great number where he dumps a bunch of flour into the smokestack, creating a, a smoke screen, I guess, a flower screen for himself to escape to which Giant Man promptly slams into the top of a railway tunnel. I mean, it's just spot-on cartoon all the way. It's, it's really great. Of course, Hulk, at this point, is not an idiot. He hides out in the back of a truck that is carrying gravel to what they call a creek, or a stream, I should say. They're, they're going to go dump construction debris or something into the water, and Hulk hides out in that and eventually is able to make his way to sea. And is, is pulled aboard a ship because he is in a very nearly a drowned-looking state. However, unbeknownst to Hulk, this entire scene is being watched by Namor the Submariner. Now, Namor first appeared in Marvel Comics number one way back in the Golden Age. So, along with the, the original Human Torch, not Johnny Storm, uh, he was originally intended for a book called Motion Picture Funnies Weekly in 1939, but the book was never released, and eventually he was put into the, the Marvel Comics number one. So, Namor is the Prince of Atlantis, and he is the, he is the son of a ship captain and the Atlantean princess. So he's able to breathe both on land and underwater. He gains a lot of his strength from being in contact with water. And he is also considered Marvel's first mutant. Not so much in the actual chronology, but in terms of the first mutant that Marvel ever published. Uh, and, And frequently you can tell that by the little wings on his ankles that allow him to fly in addition to swimming through the water very rapidly. So Namor really has it out for the human race, and he decided that Hulk can help him in his quest to uh, take his revenge on the humans, because he feels that Hulk is a kindred spirit in that regard, and to an extent he's right. So eventually the ship that Hulk is on passes by a small island, and Hulk decides it's time to get off, swims over to the island, and there's Namor. Now, Namor's pretty well human looking, and Hulk just wants to be left alone. So, of course, this inevitably leads to a fight between the two of them. Eventually, Namor is able to get Hulk in the water, however, and actually bests the Hulk, because this is where Namor is the superior fighter is underwater. So, Hulk begrudgingly agrees to help Namor, though both men secretly plot to betray one another in a kind of obvious fashion, right? That They are the erstwhile villains of this book it's almost you know inevitable that they will attempt to betray one another to gain the upper hand and be the be the the victor over everyone so namor and hulk set sail for gibraltar which uh namor believes is going to be a great spot for them to fight because hulk can be on land and namor can be in the water and there's a, there's a panel of of gibraltar in this book and at first I was like that there's no way in hell that, that's what Gibraltar looks like. So I actually went and looked up some pictures of Gibraltar and sure as shit, that's actually what it kinda looks like. You get the little town kinda down in front and then the giant rock behind it. I was kind of impressed by the fact that it was it's a fairly accurate depiction. And comic books are not necessarily known for accurate depiction, especially at this time in this pe- time period. Right? They kinda just tend to make things up. Of course, so in order to begin their vengeance against the human race, Namor and Hulk must take out the Avengers. So they issue a challenge to the Avengers to do battle. Uh, Thor gives a great little motivational speech. Then this time there can be no pulling of punches. No mercy asked for or given. Yes, by Asgard. This time we will fight to the finish. That's pretty good. I mean, I would like Thor to make you know give me motivational speeches you know i don't want to get up in the morning thor motivational speech i don't really feel like going to the gym thor motivational speech like this this could be a thing it should be a thing really so the avengers quickly make their way to gibraltar via a jet powered bathyscaphe which is more than a little ridiculous but i love it and of course the submariner and hulk are waiting for them with some <laughs> some vintage world war 2 artillery so already twice we've talked about bad science here. This time, however, Iron Man uses his magnetic repulsors to reverse uh, the course of an incoming howitzer shell. I mean, that may not be perfect, but certainly a magnetic repulsor could change the direction or stop or affect the flight pattern of a of an artillery shell. So, congratulations, Marvel. That one's not bad science. It actually follows here shortly. Iron Man is taken out by an emery pellet that Namor just so happens to have. It's kind of weird that Namor is very prepared on how to take out Iron Man and has kind of no plan for anyone else. And Iron Man and Namor don't exactly have a a lot of history with one another. So, it's just kind of weird that Namor is that prepared for Iron Man, but like not Thor, not the real heavy hitter of the of the group. Yeah, and then and, and again, you know this is this is a second time that Marvel Science isn't isn't terrible, and that emery dust is basically an industrial abrasive powder, mostly formed from aluminum oxide. So we, they actually have stuff called emery paper that's f- very similar to sandpaper, and like it's an abrasive. And if they got it, you know Iron Man's moving parts, the joints and whatnot, it it would actually cause him to eventually seize up. Maybe not as fast as in the book, but eventually. Of course, since Hulk and Namor were able to use an old howitzer from World War II, it only makes sense that that Ant-Man is able to use an old air compressor, also from World War II, that somehow is in functional order, to blast all the emery dust out of Iron Man's suit and return him to functioning. So, again, we continue the fight. Uh, Wasp is, is somewhat disabled by Hulk smashing his arm on the cave wall, creating, creating a, a sonic or a pressure transient effect. And basically, Wasp really removes herself from the fight. Namor has designed a modified an air raid siren to create a basically a fatal sound pulse. And is about to activate it when Giant Man makes a, a a great soccer goalie dive save to prevent Namor from from activating the control panel. And then manages to get in a, a fight with Namor along with Iron Man. So up until this point we've really seen the Avengers acting almost entirely solo. Right? We would get, you know, First we're going to fight Thor, then we're going to fight Iron Man, then Giant Man, so on and so forth. This is the first time we're kind of seeing them fighting as a team. It's not great, but it's not just everyone takes their turn. You know, as as the series progresses, especially uh, next issue when we actually get Captain America joining the team, he'll kind of take charge and really direct how the team fights and you'll see them actually become more and more of a team from that point on but for now we just we're just getting the first kind of inklings of that team mentality that we've we've been looking for for a while so after quite a bit of struggle thor and giant man kind of have namor on the ropes and he starts calling out for hulk but does so in in a somewhat offensive manner referring to him as a lumbering oaf Apparently that is enough enough of a stressor that it causes Hulk to actually turn back into Banner. So Namor is such a dick that he insults Hulk back into Banner. Just think about that for a second. Like, you can beat the crap out of Hulk for just ever. All he does is get madder and probably bigger. This is the exact opposite of sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me. So... Obviously, Banner now, no longer as the Hulk, isn't really in fighting shape, and he runs off. At this point, Giant Man, Thor, and Iron Man are able to, or quite actually quite literally, back Namor against a wall. And Namor is only just barely saved when he slams against the wall and a little bit of water dribbles onto him. Like I mentioned before, Namor's strength is kind of... Proportional to his proximity to water. that The longer he's out of water, the weaker he gets. It it won't kill him if he's away from water, you know, effectively permanently. But it will certainly diminish his strength considerably. So this little trickle of water is really all that Namor needs. He's able to smash his way out. And he dives back into the ocean. And our issue ends. Uh, There is a great ending here in that really one of my favorite things about silver age thor and and part of my language, but silver age thor really gives no fucks just absolutely none uh, at the end of this at the end of this issue wasp tells thor to to hurl his hammer at namor and that's the only way he'll they'll, they'll be able to stop him and thor refuses he just says no i have too much respect for his valor namor has earned his escape and Iron Man I think correctly points out they're they're going to live to regret this moment. Uh there you know some some good things will will obviously come of this. We'll get more into it in next episode, but Namor's escape is directly related to the return of Captain America. So from the Avengers perspective it certainly is helpful, but there are times that that Namor will prove to be a a problem. In general, this is actually, I think, a really good book. Uh, it's a very little consequence in terms of Avengers canon, other than the fact, like I said, it, like I just said, it sets up issue number four, which is a really important issue. But probably the biggest thing for me is that the pacing in this book is actually really pretty good. We don't spend a whole lot of time sitting around with talking heads, although, again, being a Silver Age book, it's still fairly uh, wordy. But like the pacing is good. This is what I would consider, as opposed to overloaded, this is very action packed. There is just a lot of things going on, but at no point are they ever dwelling on something too long, or are they not giving enough time to the important things. And a lot of that I actually, actually think has to do with Kirby's art. This is a very fight intensive book. And even in the last two issues, the fights have been good, but they haven't been amazing. Even from the start of this book to the end of this book, the fights are getting much, much more dynamic and much more interesting to read. We're obviously still, still dealing with the fact that the Avengers are not fully a team yet, but the, the, more, the more they work together, the more they fight together, the more we're getting the beginnings of that team. Like I said, the beginning of the the issue, when they're fighting Hulk, they're really taking turns. By the end of this, when they're fighting Namor, there's still a fair amount of solo fighting, but there's also a fair amount of of at least assists. You know, much like basketball, you get you get you get credit for the basket, and and you get credit for the assist. The other thing that's nice about the growing team dynamic is it's it's really a great contrast to Namor and Hulk. Namor and Hulk are not a team. They have teamed up, but they're they've only joined forces really for this issue, and they fight like they're solos. Right? They don't fight together at all. They don't he- help each other. They're constantly bickering. Gives us a, a good and clear distinction between the heroes and the erstwhile villains. Although, as mo- most people who read comics will realize, that Namor and Hulk are both generally considered heroes, uh, and will be much more so you know, over the coming years. There's also a really interesting parallel towards the end of the book, when Namor is fighting Iron Man. He says, yeah, that was your first mistake, puny human. I expect no mercy and I give none. So as much as we have a distinction between the heroes and the villains, we do get a little bit of parallel between them and obviously... Very similar words were uttered by Thor during Thor's motivational speech about, you know, asking for no mercy and giving none. I think the execution of that, though, is kind of what matters. Although Thor says something like that, in the end, Thor's really the one who actually offers mercy. He doesn't throw his hammer after Namor, because Namor has earned his respect. Namor, on the other hand, would, at least in this context, would not have hesitated to turn on one of the Avengers and and physically harm or even kill one of them. At least that's that's the sense that the reader gets. Again, we get a good comparison between heroic virtues and the... Looking back, I would definitely give the art on this book a four and a half, maybe four and three quarters out of five. It's really good, and probably the only thing that's holding me back is I know... That the next issue with Captain America is going to be even better, because Jack Kirby is the creator of Captain America, and he really has capped down solid. So, a little preview for you guys for next next week, it's going to get even better. As for the story, it's well written. It moves along the. I would say it's not any kind of essential. It's not super important. So, let's call it a four. It's solid writing for the Silver Age, but it's somewhat inconsequential. Remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Next week, we will be completing our original Avengers team with Avengers number four, Captain America Joins the Avengers.